Kyle Klingman here with Track Wrestling for another edition of How Wrestling Built Me, a podcast about the influence of wrestling beyond the mat. These are stories of how wrestling develops a person in a special and unique way. We interview people who have taken the skills of wrestling and used them to be highly successful in another endeavor. It could be business, politics, military, entertainment, broadcasting, writing, academics, or even another sport. How Wrestling Built Me explores the universal qualities of wrestling that last a lifetime. Our guest for our third edition says he's been destined to be an entrepreneur since he was five years old. Joe Johnson is the owner and operator of Vade Nutrition, but he had some stumbles along the way. He just graduated from Michigan State University in 2016, but he feels like this venture with Vade Nutrition is what he was meant to do, and he used his wrestling background to get there. He was recently on Shark Tank, the popular television show where different sharks decide on whether they want to invest in your company, and Joe Johnson had two of the sharks bite. Alex Rodriguez, legendary baseball player, and Mark Cuban, owner of the Dallas Mavericks, wanted to get behind Joe Johnson's effort, and we will get into why and how that came about. And as you continue to listen to this podcast, hopefully you will learn how Joe Johnson used the skills of wrestling and became successful in another endeavor. Hope you'll stick around. We have Joe Johnson on this edition of How Wrestling Built Me. Our guest today on How Wrestling Built Me, our third edition of this podcast, is Joe Johnson, and we went through his bio, and one of the things, of course, about Joe Johnson is that he wrestled. He wrestled at Michigan State from 2011 to 2016, but we got to start with the nickname, Bulldozer. That, I think that says it all right there. How'd you get that nickname, and how did you earn the reputation of being a bulldozer in the sport? <laughs> yeah, I uh I started wrestling when I was 5 years old and um if you know who I am, you know I have a little center of gravity I'm 5 6 on a good day and uh and I pretty much got the nickname because of the uh mentality that I wrestle with and the <laughs> strategy that I had when I was five years old, which was just bulldozing, um, kids. And, uh, I didn't have much technique, but I, I knew how to run into people hard and keep a, keep a, a low stance. And so it, uh, quickly became my, my nickname, at least throughout the club that I was wrestling with and the, um, the friends that I had that I was the bulldozer. And, uh, and I liked it. So I like bulldozers. Um, and I think I've, I've kind of kept the same mentality throughout my athletic career of being, um, aggressive and, and kind of going all out. Uh, but yeah, when I was, when I was a kid, I would say until I was from, from the ages of five till nine, I was known as the bulldozer. Unfortunately, that didn't carry through to college. Nobody called me the bulldozer, but I would have liked that. No chance we can start that trend right now? <laughs> we can try. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I like the I like the name. Yeah. It really does embody what you've accomplished and how you've gotten to this point. But 
as with a lot of people, the sport catches their fancy because of brothers, and you had three older brothers. I have to assume that part of the reason you got involved was because you had older brothers that wrestled. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I had three other brothers. We we uh, we all started wrestling at the same time. So I started wrestling when I was five. Um, and my, my older brothers were all about two years apart. So we all started wrestling at the same time. And my next oldest brother was seven and then nine and then 11. And so uh, we started at a pretty young age. I started the youngest, but they were a huge influence on why I wrestled and I actually, I actually wrestled, um, I actually wrestled until I was, I believe 12 years old. Uh, we were actually, we were homeschooled. All of us were homeschooled and we lived in Michigan where if you're homeschooled, you can't wrestle in high school. So what happened is we, we actually wrestled until the point where my oldest brother went to, got to high school age and then he couldn't wrestle anymore. And then my next older, oldest brother got to high school age and he couldn't wrestle anymore. And it was such a family thing for me that when my older brothers had to stop wrestling, I didn't have as much of a drive to wrestle anymore. And I actually stopped for a period of time. When was that period? It was about from, I, I want to say from 11 or 12 years old until my sophomore year of high school. Okay. And so when you stop, is there ever a thought that you might want to get back involved or was it in your head pretty permanent that you wanted to get out? No, it was never, it was never permanent that I wanted to get out. Um, I always had a drive to do it, but the, the family aspect was from the beginning of my career, the, the family aspect of the sport. And so to me, it was weird to do it by myself. I didn't feel like it was the same. And, and you're, you know, you're 11 years old. You don't make necessarily decisions based on, on what you want to do in college. When you're 11 years old, you, you make decisions based on your family. I think that's where I was is it didn't feel like a family sport to me anymore. And so I stopped and really what happened is, I realized how passionate I was about wrestling when I stopped. Did your brothers abuse you? Like not physically <laughs> abused, but was it a, a tough environment where they were taking it out on you and, and giving you your licks? Oh yeah. So, so we had, um, I had a great, I have a great family and I think that's a lot of what makes me who I am today. But, uh, our, our basement, you know, originally it was, normal walls and and then there were so many holes through the walls that we we put up plywood walls um and we had wrestling mats all over the place and i i got pretty beat up but i'm I'm proud to say that now i can beat all of them up so what goes around comes around when did that (laughs) when did that happen when you you made the switch and you could take them Ooh, I, i i think that uh i think that you know, the benefit of being the, the youngest is that they're all getting older and now getting older isn't necessarily such a good thing. Um, but uh, I would say probably my senior year of high school. No, 
it could have been my freshman year in college that uh, that I think I could take could have taken them all. Did you know you wanted to wrestle in college? When I started wrestling again, so when I picked it up in my sophomore year of high school, the reason I I started wrestling again, I went from uh, from being homeschooled, which all of my brothers had had been, to going to public school um, so that I could wrestle. And the reason that I did that was so that I could wrestle in college. So I had made that decision uh, in, during my soft before my sophomore year of high school that I wanted to wrestle in college. And that was kind of like my goal. I'm a big goal setter. And so when I set a goal, um, I kind of, I, I, I do everything I can to make sure that I get there. Let's go back to when you first started. Do you remember how you dealt with setbacks, whether it was a loss or whether it was get taken down? Do you remember how you dealt with those setbacks and how you overcame it? That is a great question. Um, I think that I think that from a young age, I dealt with with setbacks as, as an opportunity, and I wouldn't say it's necessarily because of who I, I. I wouldn't say it's necessarily something that I told myself. I'm going to deal with this setback. I'm going to create a better opportunity. But I would say it's more so because of having older brothers that gave me a lot of setbacks um, as far as I, I lost a lot. I was used to losing. <laughs> so that's always a, a setback when you're playing any game and you're competitive and you are, are losing um, often. But I also had this drive to win. And so through through any setbacks that I had in my young wrestling careers, it was always this opportunity to be better. Um, and, and I hated losing. I, I hated any time that I would lose, but it was never, I would say discouraging as much as it was something for me to look forward to being, being better and, and beating whoever it is that beat me or not letting that takedown happen. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm thankful for, being given that mentality, I think, through my, how I grew up. And then when you're at Michigan State, you didn't place at the NCAA championships and you weren't a national champion, but it sounds like you did develop skills that you're using right now. What do you feel like that experience at Michigan State gave you in your current endeavor? Yeah, you know what? It's really, it's, that's really a, it's a great way to look at, I would say, college athletics in, in a whole as far as how your sport affects who you are in, in the future. And I, I did have a lot of trials in college wrestling. I had surgeries. I was never really healthy ever since my freshman year. Um, I had some pretty intensive, some of the most intensive shoulder injuries you can have. Um, but I'm at this point thankful for everything that happened to me while I was, while I was there and, and all the things that I learned while I was there. Um, 
anybody that wrestles can attest to the perseverance that it takes, whether you're injured or whether you're uh, wrestling every single match. It's there's such a level of endurance, not just in your match, but throughout the season of, of in, endurance, whether you're cutting weight or you're training, training your butt off to try to, um, you know, high school, you're trying to make the state championships. You always have these goals. And so, um, you know, in college for me, I was still a goal setter and I set really big goals. Some of them that I didn't make, but I never took my eye off of what I was trying to do. I, 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 I wanted to all American. I wanted to be a national champ and, and the confidence that, that you need to have to actually be able to pull those off. Uh, it, it's pretty, it's, it's a pretty high level of expectation to you competing against all, all the best, you know? So, um, I believe that, wrestling really set the tone for the uh, level of performance that I wanted to perform at for the rest of my life. So there's value in striving toward that top spot just because you didn't get it, but there's value in striving toward that and you're going to develop skills along the way because of that. Is that essentially what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. I am not a believer in resetting goals. If you set a goal and things don't turn out the way you want them to, I, I don't believe you should reset your goal. I think you should figure out how to make your goal still work, even if it doesn't seem like it's going to. And I didn't, I didn't win the national championship. I didn't all American, but if I didn't have those goals and I didn't work as hard as I possibly could have to reach those, then I wouldn't have developed the, mentality that I have now, which is extremely beneficial to where I am in life. And I, I think that continues after college in, in setting, setting those goals and not changing them, even when things th- seem like it's not possible. Take us through then what the difference would be for you and your definition of resetting a goal and then reevaluating a goal. Right now in my life? Yeah, just in general, because to me, resetting means you're starting over, that you're saying, nope, it can't happen. But maybe you have to reevaluate as you go along because you have some new data or you have new information. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that resetting resetting a goal says, says that whatever it is that I thought I could do, I can no longer do. And so let's set something that's more reasonable. And it's, it can be kind of dangerous because we all want to set goals that we can achieve so that we can get that participation trophy of, hey, I, I did this, which is not a bad thing. But it's, it's actually really difficult to achieve goals that we don't set. And so if my goals aren't high enough, then it's going to be very difficult for me to reach anything more than what I, what I, what I, uh, you know, am set out to achieve. And so I, I do think that achieving goals that are beyond yourself, which, which is something that I think a lot of wrestlers do is they, they set goals of, I'm, I'm going to hit this, you know, an eight year old could say, I'm going to win the national championships in college. And I think that's a great goal, 
um, it's a long-term goal, but it's something they can work towards for their entire young adult life. Um, but when it comes to reevaluating goals, sure, there's times when you can say, hey, I want to keep my goal at the same level, but this isn't, this isn't necessarily going to happen. How can I adjust this goal because my, my situation has changed? Um, and so I want to, I want to move my interest level to hit to, to a, a different, um, position of, of interest. I think there's definitely situations where that can happen. And in learning about you, it sounds like you knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur and be in this situation since you were five or six years old, which is interesting because as we've talked to people on this podcast and other situations, a lot of times it's a a slow burn and along the way they realize they might want to get into something beyond wrestling. But it sounds like right from the, the beginning, you knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur. Explain that. <laughs> yeah. I think that I was made to be an entrepreneur. I don't, I don't know if I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur, but I, I feel like I knew I was built to be an entrepreneur. Um, again, it goes a lot back to my family. I have three other brothers and all of them are own their own businesses. And that mentality, similar to the wrestling mentality was built into me at a young age. So I started my first company with all three of my, my older brothers when I was, I, I think, six years old. Um, you know, we actually bred Labrador retrievers. So we had a, a mommy dog and a daddy dog. <laughs> and I, I don't know to tell the rest, but um, yeah, so we had, we, we would breed the dogs, we sold the puppies, and we did the marketing, we did the advertising, we paid for the dog food, and yeah, it was a, uh, simple little business, but it taught me a lot about business. And I learned how hard work in business can pay off in, in the, the ability to be creative and think through how are we going to market our puppies? How are we going to um, make sure that our inventory, our puppies are, are taken care of all, all the different, just little business aspects and I loved it. I love the independence of it and I think that also ties back to the independence of wrestling and why that was attractive to me is is you have this ability to be your own self within the sport and you don't really have anybody else to blame when you fail or or succeed. It's it's on you. You're the only one um that contributes to your your match. Um and so from a, from a very young age, I had that, that drive and, uh, it, it sort of, it sort of took some time to actually develop. So I had that passion from a young age, but then as I continued to, um, to develop and go to, go to high school, I always had a side gig, a side gig of my own, my own business. Um, when I was in college, I, did take a full-time job. I was expecting to work a full-time job, but in the back of my mind, I always knew that I wanted to do my own thing. And, uh, I ended up not taking the full-time job that I had accepted upon graduation. I, I had to go back and turn it down before even starting. And, uh, I went straight into entrepreneurship right out of college. 
So as we think about you starting your job with the labs and that being your introduction into becoming an entrepreneur and then you're taking it now into Vade Nutrition, do you feel like your wrestling career helped shape you, shape you and was part of the training to where you are today? 100%, yeah. I think the perseverance and the training environment that you go through as a wrestler it can prepare you for anything but especially as an entrepreneur because of the emotional ups and downs that you encounter um being being a wrestler and experiencing those before being in the real world so to speak was something that i think in a very strong way prepared me for entrepreneurship um to to expand on that a little bit uh you know whether whether it's cutting weight which sucks nobody likes cutting weight but if you're cutting weight at six or seven years old which i don't recommend um (laughs) something that i did when i was young uh you learn younger than probably anybody else what it feels like to feel miserable um (laughs) so I think that going through the trials of wrestling and the the hard work without getting necessarily the recognition that you feel like you need to feel that accomplishment, and it's more of a self-accomplishment that you feel when you win a match, match. you're not playing football, you're not you know, on the big screen, but it's a self-awareness and self-accomplishment that you put a lot of hard work into. I 100% believe that that plays a huge part in becoming the entrepreneur that, that I've become and, and what other wrestlers have, have done speaks the same volume. One of the things wrestling does is it teaches independence because as the cliche goes, you're out there on the mat all by yourself. You have to make the decisions on your own. It's on nobody else. But sometimes that boxes you in a little bit and it makes you maybe too independent where you can't work with people. How do you overcome that? How do you make sure that even though it's an independent sport that you're able to incorporate people and get people motivated beyond just yourself? Wow. So that's a really great question when it comes to business because it's something I've had to learn. It's something that I don't really think that I've encompassed until breaking out of my sole venture, my breaking out of being the only one in a, in a company and hiring people and learning how to actually manage a whole team. Um, that is, it, I would say it's honestly, it's difficult. That, that's a, that's one of the, I would say it's one of the most difficult parts of, being an entrepreneur and growing a company past the point of doing it in your house office or your garage, wherever it is, and then bringing other people in and trusting them to take what, what is your sweat and blood and make it what you believe it can be. Because then you're sharing everything that you've poured into with other people. And it's not necessarily something that, I think comes completely natural to a wrestler. There's definitely a wrestling family 
within your team, there's this, you've, you've grinded together. You've, you've gotten up early tomorrow uh, together. You've, uh, cut weight together. There's this brotherhood. However, it's, it's very individual as far as your own performance when it comes to being on the mat in front of everyone. Um, and so that was, a, that was honestly a really difficult transition when I started hiring people onto our business, learning what it looked like to um, give up my responsibility and trust people that are way better than I am at doing what they're great at. And, and that's been the most important part, I would say, of the business as it is today. You mentioned that you've started other businesses and you called them wildly unsuccessful. Give us an example or two of some businesses you started that did not go the way you wanted it to. <laughs> uh, so I, uh, like I said, I always wanted to be uh, an entrepreneur from a really young age, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, one of the businesses that I started was purely because my older brother had a business that was very similar and he was successful. And so I figured I would be successful in, in doing it. And he, he owns a drop shipping company, which means it's a, it's a company where he doesn't actually produce the product. He's not the manufacturer, but he has an e-commerce website and he sells products that other manufacturers make. And he doesn't need to touch the product. It just goes straight from the manufacturer to the customer when they make an order. So I thought, well, that sounds really simple. Um, I knew nothing about computers. And so I, and he was a computer science major and extremely way smarter than I am. And so I thought, well, I'm going to start up a company like that. And I'm going to sell, uh, I'm going to sell things for tailgating at, at, colleges because I was in college and thought this is perfect, but nobody wanted what I sold. And that was really rough. Um, and I didn't know how to sell it, but, uh, kind of a funny full circle. I've always been a huge fan of shark tank. And so the company that I started, I actually called, this is embarrassing, but the fan tank was what it was called. So it's for fans of sports to go to the website and buy tailgating stuff. Uh, and most people don't know that until now, but now you'll know I started a company called The Fan Tank. And that tanked. It tanked. Oh, I think <laughs> I sold, I did a giveaway um, to try to build traction. And I had three likes and two comments. And I said that I was going to pick one of the people that commented to give a free, um, a free uh, cornhole game to. And I didn't realize that a cornhole game cost me way too much money. And with, Two comments it really didn't pay off <laughs> so i shipped out two products one of them i gave away and i definitely lost money um but i worked i worked my butt off on developing a website when i had no idea how to develop a website and that experience was in, instrumental when i actually created the company that i was passionate about and that i knew i wanted to do i had experience in the e-commerce world because of that failed company that I, I had tried to start. When did you come up with the idea for Vade Nutrition? So it was a it was a moving it was a moving process actually of of coming up with the idea. Um, Vade Nutrition actually started as a shaker bottle. 
and uh, and the idea was to create a shaker bottle that didn't get dirty uh, because I always had dirty shaker bottles because I would take my protein after the gym and then I wouldn't be able to wash out my shaker bottle. And then eventually that plastic just soaks in the protein and you got to throw it away because there's no washing the stench out of a, uh, an old protein shaker. Um, and so the idea was, was with these inserts that we would have, um, that were disposable and we would put, uh, put protein in them each disposable insert and you could put the insert in to a shaker bottle, shake up your protein, toss out your insert and you still had a clean bottle. But as it developed, we realized that there was real value in having pre-measured protein because we looked at, and when I say we, I I got married during my junior year of college. Um, I met my wife, Megan, in a camp in Colorado for college athletes. She was a cheerleader at the University of Arizona. And uh, and so she moved to Michigan. And so we would always develop, we would always think through these business ideas as we watched Shark Tank. But we, we came up with this concept and we realized after looking at my actual issues of, when you look at my car, I mean, it, it looked like I was, dealing coke because I had powder everywhere. Um, I didn't really want to get pulled over and um, <laughs> explain that, no, it's just protein powder that's everywhere in my car and pre-workout powder because I, I, I'm, a, I'm a wreck and I, I'm always spilling stuff. And so we realized, well, scooping this stuff is actually, that's the biggest hassle. And if we're pre-measuring protein anyways, why don't we create something to where you can pre-measure it and you don't have to open up any type of packaging. You can just throw it in. So why don't we pre-measure every serving of, we start with protein powder in a dissolvable food grade film. So there's no scooping, there's no measuring, there's no mess. You just toss that whole pack in water or whatever your favorite beverage is, shake it up and enjoy your shake. And so we, we thought of that actually through another trial of ours. Um, We were, we we got married before my senior year and then three months after we got married, we got pregnant and uh, we were expecting our first son uh, the summer after I graduated, but Megan's water broke early and I ended up, we all ended up in the hospital um, before I graduated while I was still in school, which is great because I didn't have to take any of my final exams. So blessing in disguise. But it was actually during that time in the hospital that we came up with this pivot from the shaker bottle company. And when we came up with this idea, it was one of those light bulb moments, I would say, that I realized this is it. Like, this is what I want to do. Um, and it was at, at that point that I turned down the full-time job opportunity that, opportunity that I had in wealth management um, and said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to try to start this company and we're going to figure it out. And and I'll give credit to my wife who is not necessarily a risk taker, but I would say she really loves me because <laughs> she went along this journey with me and she's still along this journey with me. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why, because it's crazy, 
but um but we had kind of our, our future plan and i in the back of my mind knew i always was gonna do something crazy like like start my own business out of college with no money while we're in the hospital with our unborn child and the the start of the company happened we had no money we had bills that we couldn't pay we were in the hospital and i was like great a trial that i don't know how to handle and i love a challenge so let's do it and i think that beginning of the business really has set the tone for the rest of the business to know that we're going to be able to make it through anything if we've made it through actually starting the company. And then part of starting the company is you mentioned this, you were on Shark Tank and I've seen some of the clips and I got to say, man, if it doesn't work out with Vade Nutrition, you have a career in acting because when you were putting in the, yeah. the powder and, and kind of hamming it up there, I mean, it was hilarious. You did a great job on that and you ended up getting an offer from Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez. What was that experience like? That's pretty cool. That was surreal. That was that was something that you can kind of only dream of. Uh, I've watched Shark Tank since season one, so we aired on season 10. It had been 10 years of watching Shark Tank and kind of um, idolizing, in a way, these, these investor celebrities. And actually getting on the show was... was kind of an out-of-body experience, but how I explain it and why I, I think it went so well as I was used to competing, honestly. And, and so not to be cliche and relate things to wrestling, but I, it really does. Um, it really does relate to the experiences that I had as a wrestler in stepping on the stage and performing when there's a crowd around me and the nerves are high and just knowing that I needed to perform at my best. Um, so being standing before those doors open was probably the most nerve wracking part of the whole thing, because it's like, it's about to start. You haven't shake, you haven't shook hands yet. You, you, they're about to announce your name and then you get out there and it's just, it's game time. And I think that's, I, I blacked out most of it. So I don't really remember it except for what I see on the, on the television. <laughs> But it was uh, it was an incredible experience that I'll I'll always remember, and and then even the fact that we were able to get an investment from these celebrity shark investors and have that continued relationship has also been just this ongoing surreal opportunity, and and showing that you know we've been fortunate to have the opportunities that we've, we've had, and we're, we're going to keep, we're going to keep grinding at it and, and grow it to what it has the potential to be. What is the relationship now with Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez? I think they invested 700,000. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Yep. And it was, uh, we were asking for 250. So that was, <laughs> that was also a shock for us, but, uh, you never, I guess you never know what to expect to get a be ready for the unexpected you know we tried to prepare for any type of situation and i did not prepare for that kind of situation but that's all right so, um yeah what ended up happening did you do you guys keep in touch did they get involved how is that yeah so you know they're obviously very very busy people um but i would say that 
I would say that I was very surprised by the intentionality behind the relationships um, of being able to call up a rod whenever, whenever I need to text him. And, 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 you know, I talked to him, we, we pitched and on, on a Friday night, and then I talked to him on the phone. He called me on a, on Saturday night, the next night, and I was laying in bed, um, ready to go to sleep. Cause I go to sleep early <laughs> and, uh, was very surprised that he had called me, but it's, it was on, it was a very, that was a humbling experience of, um, realizing like how real they, how real they, they are and how much they actually do care about what they are putting their time in, in, in finances into. So that was the start of our relationship post shark tank. And it's been just awesome ever since really with, with talking with them and having them available for us. Do you feel like that show was pretty organic and real or is it scripted a little bit? Do they cut it out? Take us through what that, the reality of it was you being on there and what we actually saw on TV. It is way too organic. I wish they would have given me some like candid lines that I could have looked at fantastic saying like, you know, that that would have been great because that would have helped with, with my acting career in the future. But, uh, it it's a hundred percent organic and there's no cutting. So you can't, you really can't screw up because what I, what we knew going into it, we knew already knew this going into it, but we knew if we messed, if, if we said something stupid, they were going to air that because <laughs> it makes great TV. And so uh, you, you can't tell them, Hey, cut, cut. I, I shouldn't have, uh, shouldn't have said that. Let's restart. Um, so we were on the, on the stage for about an hour. And the producers at the end of all of it decide what 10 or 11 minutes they want to air. And so um, it's all real. It's all raw. And I really, I really think that's where being, being able to be on, on the spotlight and perform when the pressure is on comes in handy because I've seen a lot of uh, pitches go wrong from people that are probably pretty seasoned. Um, and so we, we prepared, we prepared just like you would prepare for any big competition every single day, practicing, thinking of any possible case scenario and, uh, and made sure that we did our best to not, not to screw the pooch. Is your company more profitable now that they're invested? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's been, it's been uh, transformational for our business and it's a really exciting time for the business in this growth period. Um, that's again, I would say everything since we aired has, has sort of been surreal of how are we actually doing what we're doing and why do people, why are people buying into our, our company so much? Um, but it's, it's, it's also something that we're super thankful and grateful for because not everybody gets the opportunities that we've been given. And now it's more of a responsibility for us to use the opportunities we've been given to do something with. And 
Um, and I think that's a, a great responsibility that I'm really excited for the future of Dave Nutrition um, to to utilize it in, in the way that we've been called to to do. Now that you have a working relationship with Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez, what have you learned about those two guys and why they were able to be as successful as they are? Yeah. Um, they grind. Uh, they, they work hard. I know perseverance is probably a very overused word. Um, but I think that a lot of people ask, well, how, how, how much luck was involved in what you were doing and, uh, and we're being at the right place in the right time. And I think if you, if you work hard enough, like you're going to, you're going to create your own luck. You're going to be in the right place at the right time. And, and I think that both of them have continued to do that. Um, and you know, it, it's, it, it is what, what's really cool about it is again, going back to goal setting of having people that are mentors in the business world and I think we've all experienced this with, with when we're kids and we're wrestling at seven years old and you're watching the NCAA championships um, and, and you see that wrestler that you've, you've kind of idolized and, and you then you start watching all of their matches and you focus on what they're doing and you try to learn their work ethic and all that. I, that relates to these investors, Mark and A-Rod, in the business world of having this opportunity to learn from them and, and just see their mentality and say, Hey, we, we can, you know, I, now I set new goals because a goal of mine since I was, uh, 13, 14 years old was to get on shark tank. And who knows if I ever would have gotten it, but I wasn't going to change that goal. And, um, now I set new goals and I have new mentors that have achieved things that I want to achieve. And I think that's really impactful. Who were your wrestling heroes? Who did you idolize growing up? Oh, geez. You, this is a curveball question. I don't even know if I want to answer. Um, <laughs> because you're going you're gonna to pull it out of me. But uh, I grew up as a University of Michigan fan. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> uh, so here, here we go. I mean... I'm, uh, I'm, I'm all out now, you know, I'm being honest. So, (laughs) my dad went to Michigan and, uh, I grew up close to Ann Arbor and grew up as a, as a Michigan fan entirely and, and, and wanted to wrestle for Michigan. And actually, even when I started wrestling again, after my break, the goal was, was really to wrestle for Michigan. That was, uh, um, I, you know, I, I knew Joe McFarlane really well. He's a great guy. And, um, it was kind of just, this is what's going to happen. And, uh, just like everything else in life, you never know what's going to actually happen. You never know what curve balls are going to come your way. Um, but that is that, that essentially, uh, what happened is I, I wanted to go to Michigan. I was, I was, going to go to Michigan and um my high school wrestling coach told me told me to accept the invitation to go visit Michigan State's campus and 
I really just, I, I fell in love with, uh, the, the campus there and, uh, and the team and the community that I, that I felt there. And, you know, everybody has their own decision at the end of the day. And, um, it was surprisingly a, a no brainer decision for me to wrestle at Michigan state. Um, so that was a big turn of events that, that my, I'm very thankful for my dad to still be trying to get over, <laughs> but he's very supportive. Um, but, but honestly, when I was growing up, I mean, the Chirillas from University of Michigan uh, were, were really great to watch. And I think I was not when I was super young, but the youngest that I, I remember and in, in a, in a, um, really like motivational way of, Oh, wow. They're, they're great. I remember thinking, wow, they're not even cutting weight. How are they not cutting weight in college? And I'm cutting weight when I'm in high school. That's not fair, but it's awesome. Cause they're that they're, they're good enough to, um, so obviously my, the people that I looked up to were at the school that I looked up to. Now that you're on the upward trend of success and you've been on shark tank and you've done some great things and you're, you're continuing to build on where you are. How do you weed out who's really there for you and likes Joe Johnson and the people that are just trying to maybe ride your coattails and like you, cause you have had some, some success. You ask great questions. I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's difficult actually, uh, to know what to, um, what to trust and what not, what not trust who to, who to really tie your, tie your anchor to. Um, and we've been burned more times than I can count. And, and from the start, I would back up to way before we were successful in business. Um, to the start of the business, it was a, it was a complete shock to me to go into the business world and have people pretend to be my friend, invite me to their place of work, and then a month later try to take everything that 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 I have, and and it has happened multiple times, and it was a, a big surprise because in college at Michigan State, I had people that wanted my, had my best interest. And so even from the beginning of starting a business, you realize that people really, they care about themselves. And I don't, I don't blame, I care about myself as well. Although I, I care about the well being of other people more so than some of the people that I started off working with. Um, but it, it is a different mentality. And then it becomes more intense when you become successful because people want to, join in on that. Um, but I really think that it takes a level of discernment and intuition, if you will, of knowing who to trust because you can't, you can't take an analytical perspective and say, I, I, I think this person's going to be good because of A, B, and C. Uh, my, my word of recommendation would be to meet people. Uh, the, the world nowadays, especially the business world, it's so, global, international, or j just digital to where you can work with people you've never met before and things seem really great. But 
really getting to know people has been hugely important to being able to have these trusting relationships and knowing who's really going to be along for the ride. Give us your pitch here. You have this dissolvable whey protein. What's the value of protein if you have a protein shake and you're trying to get to the next level? Why use that instead of maybe eating protein through chicken or steak? Or maybe you're not suggesting one or the other, but what's the value of whey protein and what can it do for a person? No, I got to hire you as a salesperson. So that's a great question. Um, the, the, the industry that we're in is nutritional supplements. And I always tell people they're called nutritional supplements because they're supplemental to your diet. So there's not something better about our protein shake than having chicken and having eggs and having other sources of protein. Like that should not change having a healthy diet. The, the point of what we do is adding nutritional value to your already healthy lifestyle. Um, our protein is 100% whey isolate. And I, when I started this company, I made the, the decision that I was never going to create a product that I didn't 100% believe in and take myself. Because if there's passion behind what you're doing, it's going to go a lot further than if you're just trying to look at what's going to make me the best profit margin. What, what can I make for the cheapest and sell for the most? That, that's not something that I would want to stand behind and, and be able to put my blood, sweat, and tears in and make it through the, uh, the difficult environment that you go through as an entrepreneur. So, um, so I took protein when I was in college. I drank whey isolate protein, and that's what we that, that was the product that we started with. And really the idea of it is being a post-workout shake. So after you're done with your workout, you drink this protein. Uh, the benefit to it is that it's the fastest absorbing protein that you can consume. And so your muscles break down, they're exhausted, and the, the, the whey isolate protein absorbs into your body extremely fast and starts rebuilding your muscles right away. Then you also have your high protein diet to where you're continually adding, adding rebuilding blocks to, um, into that, into that, um, infrastructure. And ultimately you're going to be, you're going to perform better, but really we're, we're adding, we're adding a high quality post-workout shake. People take them as, as, meal replacements as well, you know, in between, in between meals to, to give them a high protein, low fat, zero fat, zero sugar, um, shake, but what I take them after a workout. And so even with our pre-workout that we just recently launched, it's the same concept. It's something that we want it to be available to everybody, something that everybody can take, but also high quality enough for the top level athletes, because that's what I want to believe in and produce. Where is your company right now? We had talked about the individual nature of wrestling, but how you had to translate that and be an entrepreneur and oversee people and motivate people and get them on board to your vision. How many people in your company and where do you foresee this going? Yeah, we actually had 
had an interesting um, transitional period, I would say, over the past year. Even post-Star Tank has been really transitional uh, as a whole. And we've brought on people. We've had to let go of people. We've brought on a, a, a huge number of interns and then figured out that we weren't able to manage them all and still be good at what we're good at. Um, so what we're, what we're really focusing on right now is, is being a small, strong team that produces big results. Um, but with that comes trusting in, in our team to really, really perform. And I, I believe that's where you, where you need to start as a small company is not thinking, let's have as many people involved as possible, but let's have the best people involved. Um, and so for full-time people, we only have four. Um, and then we have some part-time people that I don't know how they're part-time because they spend so much time on the business, but you know, it's, it's about that passion and that's what I love. Um, but our, our internal team is honestly, it's what drives the company more so than, Shark Tank more so than the exposure. Um, you know, Shark Tank was awesome, but it's in the past now. And now we're we're continuing to build our company to be the, the billion dollar company that uh I, I believe it will be, and it's really because of the people that we've surrounded ourselves with and, and brought onto our team. Your headdressing coach at Michigan State was Tom Minkle, and he's someone that I always struggle to understand. I guess without <laughs> knowing him or, or ever having a conversation, I, I just got the impression he didn't care. But then that change, I, I read this article that laid out he was like a renaissance man, and it just went through it, and I, it did a 180 on me. And I like the guy. So you were underneath him. What was he like? Oh, wow. He was awesome. Uh, he was, he, he ever watched those commercials for the most interesting man? Was that, uh, Heineken? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> That's him. He, he was, he was the most, Tom Minkle was the most interesting man in the world. Um, he is, for one, I just have to say he's a man with a huge heart and he really, really cares. I don't think there's many coaches in the industry that, care more than Tom Minkle cared. Um, he really cared about the people, but his story is, is just wild. Um, and I, I spent my whole collegiate career learning more and more about him every day. And, uh, the first thing that you notice when you, when you really, when you join the team, you really start to get to know Tom Minkle is that he has this parrot that, uh, He's in the wrestling room every day, so he's. I, I don't know if he's part of the roster, but he should be. And uh, and I was scared of the parrot for at least two or three years because he would eventually come out onto the mat at times and bite people, which was not cool. But uh, he he won the parrot in a, a poker championships. Um, he now has obviously retired, and he plays poker professionally. And so uh, if you ever see a, a bald guy with a parrot on his shoulder in Vegas, stay away because they'll take your money. But, uh, yeah, he, he would travel around on boat uh, on a boat and 
him and his wife would uh, were in a band, and uh, his story is, you know, that that that's a whole story in and of itself is is Tom Nichols' life. But I love getting to know him and and even seeing him as a person of many talents and diversity, but yet still a, a strong passion for everything that he does. Um, that was something that really impacted me because I have, I have many passions, but, um, but really following through and pursuing what, what I feel like I've been made to do is something that, um, you know, having mentors like Tom Inkle has, has really made that possible for me to see that I can do that. Let's end with this, Joe. Of course, we know that you don't necessarily need wrestling to be successful. We see that even with A-Rod being in baseball. He's multi-multi-millionaire. But if you can define it, what does wrestling do that other sports or other endeavors don't do? And what valuable skills has it given you to be successful in your current endeavor? You never, you never talk to somebody and say, yeah, I wrestled in college and not see them give this, give this like shrug or, or, or scrunch of difficult, like seeing the difficulty on their face of, I always see them go, Oh, I wrestled for a year in high school and it sucked. So I went back to football and I love football. <laughs> um, the, the difference like you said, you can do any, I think all sports are fantastic for building up, um, building up young individuals. I think whatever you do it, you know, you can pour your heart and soul into it, but, uh, wrestling, I, I really believe it's set apart from a work mentality and, and the ability to grind through the diversity of the sport. Um, you know, it's not something where you're comfortable. It's not something where you feel great all the time. It's the only sport where you, your most important moment is really when you feel your worst. I I would practice the beginning of the week feeling great. And by the end of the week, after cutting weight, I'd feel horrible. By the time I got up onto the, onto the mat to compete in front of everybody, I'm like, you should have seen me on Monday. (laughs) But that's that's the that's the determination that really I think produces a mentality of pushing through, not just persevering because things are great. And oh, work is hard, but things are going really well. The saying, "Hey, work is really hard, and I don't feel great, but I'm going to perform at my best because I believe in what I'm doing." I, I really think the wrestling produces that that mindset that you're going to push through whatever struggles you're having because you're passionate about what you're doing. Great conversation with Joe Johnson of Vade Nutrition. Thanks for sharing your insight. And we certainly are excited to see where this goes. And we appreciate you telling us how wrestling influenced your life and how it continues to influence your life and your current endeavor. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. 